The text for the message this morning is Matthew 4, verse 23. And he went throughout all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every disease and every affliction among the people. The beloved church of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, the good news is that the Lord Jesus is the king of a heavenly kingdom. And the gospel of Christ's kingship as the promised son of David is in the center of Jesus' teaching. It's an important theme in the book of Matthew. If you want to summarize Matthew, you can say he's showing how Jesus is the promised son of David. In the first section of Matthew's gospel, this, this gospel, Matthew 1, verse 1 to 4, verse 11, it begins with the announcement that Jesus is the promised son of David. You look at the genealogy, it's all about how Jesus is in the line of David. He went to the town of David. His, was born and to fulfill all righteousness like the great son of David. In the second section, that's what we're looking at today, what we're starting to look at today, it focuses on how Jesus fulfilled this work as the promised king. And it begins and ends with a very similar phrase. We read that 4 verse 23 and 9 verse 35 and he went throughout all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction among the people. Jesus' teaching, Jesus' preaching, found in Matthew 5, verse 3 to 7, verse 27. And then his work of healing is found in Matthew 8 and 9. And as we look at fairly big section. It will be helpful to have your Bible in front of you open to these chapters so you can also follow along. But through Matthew, through this gospel, the Holy Spirit is calling the world to behold, to see Jesus Christ. And we love, we love, to, we love to talk about that too. He's our Savior. We say, look at our Savior. Look at Jesus Christ. He's the teacher. Jesus Christ is the preacher. He is the healer. Hear Jesus' teaching. Respond to his preaching. Find comfort in his healing. The Lord wants us to respond the same way as the crowd did right after the, the end of the Sermon on the Mount. That's Matthew 7, verses 28 to 29. They were astonished. When they heard Jesus preach for the first time because they recognized his authority. The king is a herald of himself. And for the gospel message we celebrate today is that Jesus our Lord has received, so it says at the end of Matthew, he's received all authority in heaven and on earth to rule as king of this heavenly kingdom. And I preach to you this, the gospel under this theme that King Jesus has authority to also bring us, to bring you into the kingdom of heaven. And he teaches, first he teaches us what the citizens of the kingdom of heaven look like. If you look at Matthew 5 verse 2, you see that he opened his mouth 
and he taught them. And then, he, then we have the picture, we have the picture of the Lord Jesus, the king in the center, and then the inner circle around him, his disciples who came to him to hear. And then Matthew 7, the end shows us that the crowds were listening as well. That, that kind of reminds us, maybe it's even pointing to the vision of Revelation 4 and 5. The throne in the middle, the inner circle, and then the outer circle, those concentric circles of adoring hosts. And when Jesus declares what kind of people are in the kingdom of heaven, this is not an exclusive message that's only revealed for the church. Although the Lord Jesus directs his message to his disciples in the first place, others may come and listen. That's just like the church service here today. Everyone can know about Jesus' description of the kingdom of heaven. It's a message for the world. Everyone is allowed to see the difference between those who have the Holy Spirit reigning in their hearts and those who don't. You can invite your friends. When we look at Jesus' teaching and we're summarizing a lot of teaching, we'll highlight some of the themes. The first major theme is that Jesus' teaching makes it clear that the citizens of God's kingdom know the law of God. God gave Moses the law on Mount Sinai, the Ten Commandments, because he wanted his people to know how to live in their redeemed life, how to be kingdom citizens. Well, when Jesus went up on the mountain as a mediator in order to bring God's word to his covenant people assembled below, perhaps some of the listeners made the connection. Hey, that's just like Moses did in the Old Testament. Who is this Jesus? However, when we consider the purpose of Matthew's gospel to reveal that Jesus is the promised king and the son of David, perhaps it would be better to think of Deuteronomy chapter 17, verses 14 to 20. That's the passage where God, already in the law, before there ever was a king, where God promised to give Israel a king someday. And if the Israelites had remembered this promise and the law, they would not have asked for a king that looked like the nations around them, which they received in King Saul as a punishment, but rather they would have asked for a king who humbly trusted the Lord rather than in his horses and in his wealth. They would have asked for a king who loved the law. Because according to God's commandment in Deuteronomy 17, the king after God's heart must know and love the law. And so now imagine you're one of the crowd, the Sermon on the Mount here. What, what is Jesus showing you about himself by taking that law and explaining it and showing that it defines his life. Well, every Jew would have understood the significance of Jesus' ministry beginning with a description of how he fulfills the law. That's what we expect from the Messiah who is the true son of David. Jesus is revealing that he is the promised king. That is the way that 
kings bring their people into blessings. And Jesus teaches, if citizens of God's kingdom are blessed, that's verse 3 all the way to verse 12, verse 11. Jesus begins his sermon with the word blessed. Nine times. The word blessed in this form in Latin is beati. Which led people to call this section the Beatitudes. And I'm only saying that because it's in your Bible and you might wonder what that's there for. It just means blessed statements. When someone is blessed, that means that God is showing his favor to them. They are at peace with the creator of heaven and earth. But now if you take a quick glance at at all the, the blessed statements, you'll see, looking at those different conditions, like poor in spirit, and like mourn, you'll see that blessed does not mean that you are necessarily feeling happy. And then the mention of being persecuted in verses 10 and 11, that shows that blessed doesn't even mean feeling comfortable or being comfortable. So what does blessed mean? Well, if you look closely, you can see that Blessed means being a part of the kingdom of heaven. And our Lord Jesus emphasizes this by repeating it in verse 3 and verse 10, the beginning and the end of the Beatitudes. He says, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. That's repetition. Repetition to tell us what it means to be blessed. And the verses about salt and light in verses 13 to 16 that follow these blessed statements, they show that those who are in the kingdom of heaven are still living in the world, but they are also connected to heaven in some way. That's what it means to be blessed. Jesus tells us that the citizens of the kingdom of heaven enjoy the favor of God because they are very aware of who they are and how they need God's help. And that's what the Lord Jesus is teaching us in the beginning part of the Sermon on the Mount. He's teaching us about the character of the citizens of the kingdom of heaven. Now we'll look at these characteristics in the weeks to come. But for now you can take a look at the list and you can see how interconnected these characteristics are. The one characteristic leads to another. The characteristics of the blessed ones remind us of the characteristics of the Old Testament worshiper as he followed through the, the steps of the sacrifices to, to approach God, offering different sacrifices. The Beatitudes seem to loosely follow the general order of these sacrifices with the, the humility of the sin and the guilt offering leading to the, the complete commitment, the peace with God and the burnt, and the peace offerings. And the order of the Beatitudes, if you follow it along, it also reminds us of the order of, of a worship service. 
of that coming into God's presence that we are a part of every Sunday. How we move from entering the presence of God, acknowledging our, our empty hands and in sorrow mourning for our sins and then moving up to express our longing for righteousness and then coming to celebrate God's mercy as we desire to be peacemaking followers of Jesus Christ in a hostile world. I just went through the Beatitudes, the, the main points of them. The eight Beatitudes, with an expansion on the eighth, describe how people with the Holy Spirit in their hearts behave. Jesus teaches us that the citizens of his kingdom are grateful, humble, repentant, courageous, and loyal to the one who reigns over them as king. And Jesus proclaims that he is that king in the kingdom of heaven. Now imagine if you heard the Beatitudes, these blessed statements, for the very first time. Imagine if someone came up, you'd never heard them before, came up here and said them right to your face, right to you. And then he continued to go on to give the, the definitive definition of the very words that God had spoken from Mount Sinai. And he said, you have heard that it was said, but I say to you. Well, you would ask, who gave you this authority? Who, who, do, you, who do you think you are? What gives you the right to, to declare these things? Can you imagine hearing the Sermon on the Mount the very first time? Some man telling you those things? So that's a good reaction to say, who gave you the right? Who gave you this authority? You would be right to ask these questions. You see, Jesus wasn't like the scribes and the Pharisees. And the crowd had recognized that. They just talked about the law. They just shared the history of interpretation. But he equated his words with the very words of God. He revealed that he had the authority. Jesus was the one who declared whether or not someone was blessed. He is the one who declares whether or not you are blessed. In his preaching and in the statements that Jesus was making, he was presenting himself as the authority. It was the, the gospel proclamation about who Jesus Christ is. He is the gatekeeper. He is the very king of the kingdom, he proclaims. He was able to say, I, I will tell you who is blessed and who is not. I will tell you what characteristics are fitting for the life of a citizen of my kingdom. I will tell you also what you will receive. Well, like every other teacher in his day, Jesus was very clear that the law and the prophets continue to reveal the truth. You can see that in verses 17 to 20 of chapter 5. 
Verse 18, the law and the prophets, they stand. No one, says our Lord Jesus, can enter the kingdom of God without obeying the Ten Commandments and teaching others to do the same. You need to be righteous, to walk with God. You need to love Him, love your neighbor as yourself. That's what it looks like in the kingdom. God's standards are not changed. That's not the message of salvation. And in fact, if you look at verse 20, the Lord Jesus says that his standards are more demanding than just simply following the line of the scribes and Pharisees. So how can anyone claim the kingdom as their own? Well, it's not because Jesus came to abolish the law and the prophets, but he came to fulfill them. And the Lord Jesus is saying that he is the, the kind of king who, who opens the door for his subjects by obeying the commandments for us. He did what no sinful human being could ever do. This makes it clear that in the Sermon on the Mount, the Lord Jesus is not demanding righteousness of his subjects as a condition to entering into the kingdom. He did it all. And his gospel message is repent, trust in me, believe in me, follow me. We can be part of his kingdom if we recognize our sins. Seek that righteousness of Christ. Keep in step with the Holy Spirit in a life of mercy, purity of heart, and peace. And again, I'm just summarizing the Beatitudes. very king of a kingdom he came to announce the coming of his kingdom was at hand he is the way to eternal peace with God our Lord Jesus then shows the citizens of his kingdom what kind of life he brings them into that's a very important way of understanding a key to understand the Sermon on the Mount the king is showing the church what kind of life he brings you into and if you look at it, verses 21 to 26 of chapter 5, there's not only an absence of murder, but there's even an absence of anger in that kingdom. Verses 27 to 30, not only will we be set free from adultery when we are in God's kingdom, but we will be set free even from lust. God changes the very hearts of, of the citizens of his kingdom. Verses 43 to 48, he, he gives you love for God and love for all your neighbors, including your enemies. And that's the definition of being perfect that Jesus talks about in chapter 5, verse 48. If you look at chapter 6, verses 1 to 4, he's talking about the love of being in that kingdom. It's not a people-pleasing love that stops when the eyes of others are no longer on you, but it's a love that, that you keep showing even in secret when no one can see you but God himself. And this wonderful message of Jesus Christ, it's a declaration of the power of the Holy Spirit that he puts in our hearts, that's, that gives us great hope in our lives, in our struggle against sin. God is more powerful you may already know 
what it's like to be sons of the Father who is in heaven. That's chapter 5, verse 45. And Jesus' instruction for the church in the Sermon on the Mount, as he tells us what kind of kingdom he brings into, he calls everyone who believes in him, who has crossed over from death into life, he tells you, you are members of God's kingdom already today. He tells you that you are already members of God's kingdom today. and You are in Christ. And so look at chapter 6. You see some of the wonderful benefits of being a part of the kingdom. Verses 5 to, to 7 verse 12. We can pray to God, the creator of heaven and earth, as our Father, like our Lord Jesus taught us in the Lord's Prayer. We can have the same desires as our Lord Jesus. And then verses 5 to 8 and then 14 to 18 of chapter 6. When Jesus proclaims the gospel of the kingdom, he brings that reality to us right now. We're not just piling up words. We're not just going through the motions. We're not just talking about forgiveness without ever actually forgiving. We're not just making sure everybody knows that we're fasting, that we're religious in order to appear religious. He says, when you're in the kingdom, it's now. It's radical. You can see it. You truly are in a relationship with the Father who will reward you. You can bank on treasures in heaven. As our Lord Jesus teaches, chapter 6, verses 19 to 24. You can, you can live right now with that reality in your mind. You, you can turn away from the false god money and always seek first the kingdom of God, trusting in him without any anxiety that he will keep his word. Because yours is the kingdom of heaven. Chapter 7, Jesus Christ is the judge and king. He has everything under his control. So you don't need to judge. He says in chapter 7, you can ask and it will be given to you. Because already now, whoever is in the kingdom of God can enjoy the benefits of having a king who has received all authority in heaven and on earth. And then brothers and sisters, realize we're not just looking back to something Jesus once said. And we're not just looking forward to what may be someday. Jesus is telling us that this is real. This is true now. And we may live in it. And the Spirit makes us want to live in it. That's why at the end of chapter 7, the Sermon on the Mount, he's urging the followers to take hold of the gospel, to walk in the narrow path that leads to life, bear fruit. Because that Psalm 1, that's what we sang together as Psalm 1 states so clearly. There are two ways before you, the way of blessing in the kingdom, and the way that will perish like chaff. One leads to death and one leads to life. Those who follow Jesus Christ may be part of the kingdom of heaven. He heals, he helps those who come to him in faith. Chapters 8 and 9, and now I know you're probably sighing, Oof. It's a lot for my mind to take. I'll be very short. 
chapter 8 and 9, that's describing how Jesus heals the afflicted who come to him. It's part of the theme. It's part of the picture. We need to know this context to understand the Beatitudes. It's the last thing that Matthew mentions in his summary in chapter 4, verse 23. Jesus healed many people. Great crowds came to him. He healed all kinds of illnesses. And then when we look at Matthew 8 and 9, we see what kind of people came to Jesus to be healed. The people who came believed in his divine power. The people who came, look at chapter 8, verse 2, they knelt before him as a king. They called him Lord. Look at verse 11 of chapter 8. They had such faith that Jesus could assure them that they would recline with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. There are examples of what it means to, to be a part of that kingdom, to follow Jesus. And Jesus showed them that he was a king who was willing to take our illnesses and bear our diseases. Chapter 8, verse 17. He was a king who could forgive our sins. Now the healing also shows how powerful he is. He's able to keep the promises that he makes in the Beatitudes. Chapter 8 talks about the winds and the sea obeying his voice. Talks about demons who recognized his power and obeyed his commandment. Revealed that he is the mighty son of David who is able to raise the dead and heal the blind. That's chapter 9, verses 18 to 34. That's the king who tells us, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And we are eager to be a part of this kingdom. And all this healing, he shows he's very compassionate. That's what we read at the very end. The summary at the end, at the end of chapter 9, he had compassion for them. A king with power, a king with compassion. We want to be a part of this kingdom. We're grateful to be a part of this kingdom. What a blessing it is to know that this king was not waiting for us to somehow get to him by our own righteousness. He came first to us, teaching and preaching healing. When Jesus takes a hold of us, we want to have our sins forgiven. We want to be set free from our afflictions. We want to be a part of this kingdom. And when we look at the Beatitudes in the next few weeks, we'll see that they are spoken by the King himself, the King of the kingdom of heaven, who has authority to receive you into the kingdom of heaven where we can enjoy all those blessings that he has obtained for us. The Beatitudes do not focus on what we are to do. Rather, they describe the blessings 
the covenant grace, the joy that belong to those whose lives show the marks of belonging to Jesus Christ by true faith. And may the Lord bless us as we take a closer look at the Beatitudes in the coming weeks if our Lord Jesus doesn't return first to show them to us even clearer than any man could ever do. Amen. We'll sing together another hymn that's also based on Psalm 72 that also praises God that Jesus Christ is an almighty, powerful king of the kingdom that we are a part of. That hymn is hymn 46, and we'll sing that standing together if you're able to stand. <clears throat> 